0: My name is Michael. I am uh, one of the pastors here. I will apparently entertain you for a little bit, hopefully. We're very excited to have you with us this morning. We are in the middle of a series entitled Are We There Yet? Lessons from Joshua on the Way to the Promised Land. And, and we've been watching these videos from a few, a couple of generals that are in our midst here in our congregation uh, General Tom Jaco, who is that fine gentleman, and General David Reed. And they've been telling some stories from their careers in the military and from the history of the military and and what tom would have told you uh is about a young private in his outfit named private moses which was his real name who was a strong believer a small man who would eat by himself every day in the mess hall because no one wanted to sit with him because he would sit down open his bible and read his bible while he ate he was kind of ostracized in his unit however he was the best at everything Anytime they would do a PT event, he would come in first. Anytime they would do anything, he would always win. There was this other guy who Tom called Private Matthew and which wasn't his real name. But he said he was always second. On the outskirts, looking in, everybody wanted to be Private Matthew. He was the all American kid, the kid that had read everything. He was better looking, he was muscular, he was tall. Private Moses was a small guy. He was shaved his head, bald. He had tiny spectacles. This was back in the 60s, Tom said, when nobody wore those kinds of glasses. Nobody really wanted to be Moses. Everybody wanted to be Matthew. And it irritated Matthew that he always came in second to Private Moses. So what he did was he took a razor, an electric razor that he had out of his footlocker and placed it in Moses' footlocker and said that it was stolen first sergeant comes they discover all of this private moses is brought into tom's office who's the company commander and has read the riot act you know stealing in a unit is a horrible offense because it breaks the trust of men you will be fighting with and it's a horrible horrible offense and private moses said i didn't do it i didn't do it tom says i'll give you till 10 o'clock tomorrow when we will throw the book at you as to whether or not you want to confess So 10 o'clock in the morning comes, and Tom's about to throw the book at him, and a knock comes on the door. The first sergeant enters and says, look, there's a guy out here you got to talk to. Tom goes, I'm a little busy. He says, no, you really need to talk to him. Private Matthew walks in and says, I planted the razor in his footlocker. He didn't do anything wrong. So Tom says, all right, all charges are dismissed. We'll deal with you, Matthew, later you can get out of here Moses and Moses says sir if you will can we pray right now and Tom said he was caught off guard and was like okay didn't know really what to say and he just blurted out okay so Moses stood up and he said sir would you mind coming around the desk and standing with us Tom's kind of bewildered so he does what the private tells him to do he walks around the desk can we hold hands And the four guys start holding hands he says can we kneel and Tom goes don't push it Moses but he said he stood there and he prayed for those for every guy that was in that group for the three men there he prayed for forgiveness for Matthew for what he did and he just prayed for the group and then they all left Tom said Matthew and Moses became best friends after that event and Tom said it changed his life forever This private Moses who had such faith in God, he wasn't worried what was going to happen to him. What it amounts to is, private Moses was a man of great character. He was a man of great character. And private Matthew, maybe at the time, wasn't. We've been talking about what made Joshua such a great leader, Joshua, the guy who took over for Moses, talk about big shoes to fill. I parted the Red Sea. I led Israel out of Egypt. Here you go, take over from me. But Joshua was the guy to do it. And he was ready. And we've talked about how Joshua spent time with God in the tent. That after Moses would leave, Joshua would just stay there and hang out with God. And just be with God. Building his relationship with him. That he was preparing to be the leader that God would call him to be. We've talked about what made Joshua such a great leader. And one of those things, the sign of any good leader is strong character. It's a strong character. You know, there's a presidential election coming up, and we're already seeing a lot about it in the news. And hearing about the like 70 people that have thrown their hats in the ring. And every year that there's an election, presidential or otherwise, you're bound to see an advertisement that is blasting someone's character. Aren't you? I mean, isn't this kind of the standard, standard operating procedure for, for political campaigns that you're going to blast the other guy's camp? that you're going to say something about him that blasts his character. You're going to find some dark secret from his past or her past and pull it out and let's show the world why this person would be a horrible leader because of this. You blast the character. Why? Because character's a big deal, isn't it? Character's a pretty big thing for leaders. Character's a pretty big thing for anyone. The kind of character that you have says a lot about who you are and it also determines a lot about your life if you're leading something how you live your life in joshua chapter 7 there's a story of a man named aiken not clay aiken well before his time thank you american idol fans i told somebody i'd throw an american idol comment in this service so i just did Uh, Joshua 7, there's a guy by the name of Achan And and Achan was, was a man of low character And because of it, he caused some problems Starting at verse 1 But Israel was unfaithful concerning the things set apart for the Lord A man named Achan had stolen some of these things So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites Achan was the son of Carmi, of the family of Zimri Of the clan of Zerah, and of the tribe of Judah Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the city of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, It's a small town, and it won't take more than two or 3,000 of us to destroy it. There's no need for all of us to go there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent. But they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear and this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the leaders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed down facing the ark of the Lord until evening. And then Joshua cried out, Sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what am I to say now that Israel has fled its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe us off the face of the earth. And then, and then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Verse 10, But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen the things that I have commanded to be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, they have also lied about it and hidden the things along, among with their belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. The story goes on. But basically, because Achan was a man of low character, a character flaw of greed, Israel was being destroyed. Now, Joshua was a man of great character who fell on his face, pleading with the Lord. God told him what to do. The story goes on, and what happens is Joshua and the leaders of Israel gather together each of the 12 tribes one by one, and they single out individuals in that tribe, and they say, Did you steal anything? And they they put the little light on, and where were you on the night of January 12th, or something like that. And they call the tribe of Judah, and they single out Achim. And Achim confesses, I saw a robe and some silver, and I just had to have them, so I stole them and buried them in my tent. And because of this, there's his punishment was death. There's a character flaw that was causing the entire nation to be destroyed. Character is so important when it comes to leadership, it's so important when it comes to our lives. Bill Heibel says character is, is who you are when no one else is looking. He defines character as who you are when no one else is looking. Dallas Willard says, character is what you do without thinking. It's what you do without thinking about it. A friend of mine gave me a couple of DVD sets of this show called Scrubs. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. I think it's extremely funny but not appropriate for all ages, so I don't recommend it necessarily. I couldn't sleep last night. I was up till about 1.30, and I was finishing uh, season two, and I just sat on the couch watching on my laptop episode after episode. And I got to the bonus features because I was done with seasons. You should have given me season three, too. And so I was going through some of the bonus features. And one of the things, I don't know if you've ever watched Scrubs, but one of the things that I think makes it different from every other comedy that's out there is the imagination scenes. There are these scenes with the main character that basically shows what he's thinking. He goes off into this moment, he starts looking up to the side, and everything changes. And it's how he's playing this scenario out in his own mind. It's generally very funny, sometimes inappropriate, which I go, oh, well, that's just bad. But it's great. And it made me start thinking about that question that is always asked at some point in your life. You've heard it. Would you like to have a TV on top of your head that broadcasts your thoughts to everyone who walked by? Every thought you ever have is broadcast on the TV for everyone to see. I don't think I'd have very many friends, really. I don't think any of you would be. Well, you might be sitting here to see what would come up. But could you imagine what would happen if people saw us? In our darkest moments, if people saw us when no one else was looking, what do you think about when no one else is around? What kind of person are you when it's just you? You There's so many plastic people in this world. There's so many people that put on a persona and try to be someone they're not in front of other people. I I was that guy in college. I was the guy that parents dreamed their daughter would bring home. I was the guy that parents wanted to meet. I'd walk in. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Let me get the door for you. Can I wash the dishes? Can I do that? How can I help? I am here for you. I would write a thank you note after I was there. I, I was the guy. I'll give you a list of my girlfriends. Just kidding. I didn't have any until you, Jenna. (laughs) I was that guy. But in truth, I was someone totally different. In truth, if parents really knew who I was, they would have been frightened for me to walk inside their homes. They would have been frightened to know that their daughter was going out with me. Because if they saw me when no one else was around, if they knew who I truly was... I was not someone of great character. There's so many people that can just put on that persona. But who are you when you're by yourself? Who are you when you're lost in your thoughts, when it's just you? There's even Christian leaders out there that are like this that will get up on a Sunday morning around the country and they'll preach hellfire and brimstone and condemn people for this and condemn people for that when in truth, they're lost in the same struggle. Who are you when no one else is around? Who are you when it's just you and God because you're never alone. You're never just by yourself. God is always there. God is always sitting next to you, sitting with you, sitting beside you. God has that television on top of your head and knows the thoughts that you think. Character, they say, is one of those things given to us by God that we're in control of. Something that we can change, something that we can work on, something that we can grow in. The question is... Are you spending enough time taking stock of who you are when you're by yourself? Are you taking enough time truly looking at the character inside of you so that you can live the life God has created for you? John Wesley, it is said, took stock every hour of his last hour. What did I do this hour? What did I think this hour? Where did I go this hour? What did I read this hour? Was anything not of God? Forgive me for that, Lord. And then he would move on. He was a little obsessive compulsive, but I think he had the right idea. How often do we really take time to look inside of us and to see who we are when no one else is around? We all have a public face and a private face. We all have a person that we want the world to see, and then a person that we are when we're by ourselves, some to a greater degree than others. But how often do we take time to truly look at our character and to truly allow God to shape us and to grow us so that we might be the men and women? He's created us to be. I think that's one of the toughest things to do, to truly look inside yourself, to truly see the things that we don't want to show or tell other people. In fact, sometimes we don't want to acknowledge it ourselves. But sometimes you got to pick at the scabs. Sometimes you have to look deep inside and confront those issues. Sometimes you gotta check your character. So who are you? Are you someone like Aiken? Who has a character flaw so great and so deep? that it's bringing destruction upon you, your family, your job are you someone like Private Matthew are you someone like maybe Private Moses or Joshua who's trying to rise above it and continually grow in their character continually grow in their relationship with God and Christ spending time with him letting him prune the things that need to be cut away. I have a friend that came into my office last week, and I asked her how she was doing, and she said, pruning's going on. And tears kind of welled up in her eyes. She said, I'm going through some pruning, but I need to. It hurts, but I need to get rid of this stuff to move on. how often do we truly look at ourselves and begin the pruning process so that we can grow in Christ so that we can grow in our relationship with God so that we can become men and women of character so the question i leave with, leave you with is, is who are you when no one else is looking let us pray Gracious and heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts. Thankful for the times that even when we fall short of your glory, you still are right there with us, willing to guide us and direct us, to throw your arms around us and support us with your love and your wisdom. Lord, we pray that, that you would give us the discipline and the courage to confront ourselves to look deep inside of who we are when the lights are off and no one else is around so that we might hear your voice discern your path and become the men and women you have created us to be